glass of beer and talk about uh, all the things we can. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for. Today, let's talk by the river and have a beer, or several. We leave the flat farmlands and beefsteak vending machines of North Central Iowa, and we head back east to a location that might seem familiar to avid listeners of the podcast. Yeah. River Ridge Brewing lies in the town of Bellevue, Iowa, which, incidentally, is about a twelve-minute drive southeast of St. Donatus, Iowa, home to the oldest barn in Iowa, and the recording location of the first ever episode of the Beer Nomad podcast. A big shout out to Carrie and Don and the Bunny Room. Bellevue attributes its name to the French words belle, meaning beauty, and view, which uh, I guess put together means beautiful view. And I am so sorry for the mispronunciation on my part. I took Spanish in high school, not French. Anywho, Bellevue, beautiful view, certainly lives up to the name. Much of eastern Iowa escaped the glaciation that flattened much of the rest of the state. Consequently, the limestone bluffs and rolling hills remain. The town itself lies in a valley between two large limestone bluffs, known appropriately as the North and South Cliffs. Now, River Ridge Brewing would be a strange name if they weren't, in fact, by a river, which, thankfully, the brewery and the town are. The building itself is located directly beside the Mississippi River. Outdoor seating on a large porch overlooking the river encourages long looks at the passing barges, sailboats, and water skis. Today, we talk with two of the three brewery owners, Kelly, who's fantastic and the head brewer, and the knowledgeable and very friendly Nick. Much to my surprise, I am very early to my interview in Bellevue. With time to spare, I park my van next to the river and enjoy the view. I grew up alongside the Mississippi, and so I find a strange comfort sitting next to the predictable currents of the river. Time passes, and I walk towards the brewery to meet Kelly and Nick. The atmosphere inside and outside is warm and welcoming. We sit next to a window overlooking the river. Nick pours a beer, Kelly takes a seat, and we begin to talk. I'm here with Nick and Kelly at River Ridge Brewing in Bellevue, Iowa. Hey, guys. Hi. I wanted to start with your background, starting with Kelly. Yeah, so I uh, started off as a brand ambassador in 2011. I then um, grew to become a craft beer sales rep for a uh, distributor here in Iowa, and I did that right up until basically we uh, decided to open our own brewery here in Bellevue. And Nick? Yeah, so uh, I was a beer lover um, and uh, found myself in Bellevue uh, working in economic development, and that's where I met uh, Kelly and her, and her husband, Nick, and had the fortune of... Uh, being able to join their brewery. So aside from appreciating beer for you know, being the one who traveled to all the special releases, um, I enjoyed the, the brewery that I was able to join. You were an ambassador. You sold craft beer. How did you decide? What was the moment that made you start River Ridge? 
uh, Kelly? So I found myself living back in Bellevue, the small town I was born and raised in. And my brother at the same time had um, relocated back here. And we both have been uh, big fans of craft beer. And I had been selling it. And he was a home brewer at the time. And so we always jokingly right over a beer. We're like, we should open a brewery. And a spot opened up on the main street here in town, and we walked through it with the owner of the building, and we were kind of like, wow, this would be perfect for a brewery. And just one day, we said, let's do it. So we did, and we opened River Ridge Brewing in 2016. While working full-time jobs in addition to operating a brewery, right? Yep. So um, my brother, my husband, and I, all of us that um, started it, all worked full-time jobs and did this on the side. We called it a a hobby with quotes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you moved to this location right by the river, right by a lock and dam. Yeah. Yep. So we opened up in our new location right here on the water in April of 2021. What would 21 be? People were still social distancing and masking. and Yeah, I think uh, we liked uh, to talk about our, our expansion project as a, as a COVID project in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, because, you know, right after we had made the announcement that we were looking to do this, um, shortly thereafter, COVID hit. Uh, and then we were turning the old space into a packaging uh, a facility, basically selling out the door, um, and then doing this, trying to get supplies, building supplies, contractors. There was another thing that happened in Iowa during the whole period, which was uh, the Duresho. So mm-hmm. we uh, in Cedar Rapids were took out a whole. A uh, whole lot of stuff. Um, so a lot of our contractors decided to go up there too. So that was something we had to navigate. Um, so yes, yeah, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel come April sure. 2021. Um, the beautiful thing about this space and that we built here is that so much of it is oriented to the outdoors. So mm-hmm. as people are finally venturing back out, they were able to do so in like a really safe manner uh, because sure. our patio is really really why a lot of people come here. Sure. And I guess the beautiful thing too about this area and your guys' community specifically is a lot of your decorations, the tin, the wood, comes from salvaged material from farms. Yeah. So a lot of it came from um, my family farm. When we opened the location in 2016, um, we had a very tight budget. So we repurposed and reused as much as we could. Um, And we used that same philosophy when we came over here. We reused everything that we had in that old space um, and then went and I had, there was a barn that was tore down and a few other things that I went out with my dad and went and took all the wood and the tin and removed all the nails and all of it and reused it in this space. Yeah. Right. Kelly had quite a hoard of uh, salvaged barn, <laughs> yeah. barn materials. I still do. I'm lucky to actually have uh, families on like both sides. My husband's family has uh-huh. a farm too. So I'm lucky to have some storage options for all the wood that I had uh, there you go. hoarded. Uh-huh. Okay. Less yeah. trips to, uh, it wouldn't be Barnes and Noble. What, what, yeah. What's the, uh, what's the uh, Home Depot? Home Depot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. This I guess is, Barnes and Noble. Maybe. Yeah. This is a, uh, nope. This is all real, real farm boards. That yeah. We have, barn boards that we got from the farm. I had Barnes on the mind, I guess. So, let's talk some Barnes and Noble, y'all. Fact number one. Barnes and Noble sells over 190 million physical copies of books every year. Number two. Barnes and Noble's beginnings can be traced to 1873, when Charles M., you guessed it, 
Barnes, started a textbook business from his home in Wheaton, Illinois. In 1917, his son, William, went to New York to join G. Clifford, you guessed it again, Noble, establishing Barnes and Noble. I don't know why, I always thought it was just nonsense words put together. (laughs) Finally, mad that DC Comics made a series of comic book collections solely available on Amazon Kindle devices, Barnes & Noble pulled more than 100 DC titles from their inventory in 2011. The titles have since returned, but definitely not a quote, super, unquote, time for physical Barnes & Noble purchasers of DC comic book collectors. These are the facts that you are here for, folks. I can tell I'm losing some of you, so let's get back to Kelly and Nick to talk about the Bellevue community. Speaking of community, we were talking about all of your regulars, Mm -hmm. uh, which have become friends in in some ways, right? Family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, we were mentioning the announcement of moving down into this space, which was really like a uh, turning uh, Kelly and her brother's hobby business into a real thing. Um, That happened. uh, We made that announcement while I was holding my couple month, maybe a month old. I think, yeah, it was October 2019. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's a few week old uh, baby who is now turning three. Mm -hmm. Um, So... All of our regulars grew up with their kids. Mm-hmm. Kelly had a, a, uh, her son a year old at that time. Mm-hmm. So they've been a part of that, that family, truly part of the family now as they've been, you know, when we're working and the kids are here and they're running around, oftentimes a few of the regulars will watch the kids while we're, while we're yeah. attending to customers. So yeah. it really is a close-knit group. They, sure. They call themselves the brewery grandmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's grandmas. Mm-hmm. They're the grandmas. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. And have you, I asked this question on occasion in, in smaller towns because I think it's just a fascinating brew beer question. Um, have you changed their taste in beer at all? And also, do you feel like you have to cater to that taste at all? Well, first to the, to the catering point, I think we're always... Um, between Nick, Kelly, and myself, we all have different tastes, Mm -hmm. different beers that that we like. So we're often brewing to those as well as uh, the customers in mind. So I think we've got already starting there, we've got a diverse, diverse palette of Mm -hmm. of interests. But yeah, we we keep, probably for a smaller brewery, we keep a a large amount of core beers on tap. Um, So, you know, from from now, we have a lager, an American light lager, um, an answer to those, many of which who like that the bush light or, or light beer, um, commercial domestics, all the way to an oatmeal milk stout. And those are on tap at all times. So everything in between there, um, from a fruited blonde ale, which is Kelly's brainchild. Um, oh, which, yeah. Oh. Yep, that's the who gives a rasp. Um, okay. And But I do think that uh, educating the the craft customer while they may start with that lock 12 we do a good job of keeping a rotating um, variety of special releases on which are oftentimes maybe their first time trying that type of beer so fruited sours and hazy ipas um you i'm always amazed at you know what that other what (laughs) what core beer they drink 
and then all of a sudden they're ordering the the hazy IPA on regular or sure. the crazy guava dragon fruit uh, fruited sour. So sure. there is crossover, and I think uh, it's because their palates have grown. I do have to ask both of you guys in terms of naming the beers. I do enjoy who gives a rasp. Was that so? It was your brainchild. Was it your naming? Of the beer as well? I did not actually name that beer. I um, Someone had given me a bunch of raspberries, and so cool. I brewed that beer. Um, in the very beginning, we had a good group of core beers that we knew we wanted to open the business with. Sure. We invited all of our family and friends down, and we said, you can all drink these for free if you come up with a name for them. Okay. So we sat there with, I honestly don't even think we had a notebook at the time. We had paper plates and pencils. And we were drinking all the beer, and anytime someone said a good name, we would write it down, and then the next person would be Googling it, right? Because mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure we were using names that were unique, mm-hmm. and also were tied back to the community. So who gives a rest doesn't have a tie back, but almost all the other core beers have something that is tied to Bellevue. Okay. Flat Bottom Amber, Flat Bottom Boat is what we grew up on. That's what we grew fishing and going out on the Mississippi on. Um, the Verna's Honey Blonde, that's my grandma. She actually suggested we brew a Blondale. Um, so we named it after her. So all of them have some sort of tie back to us. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, but the special release ones we like to have fun with. We're mm-hmm. always throwing random names and just being creative with those. Tying back to the community involves, in some ways, sustainability. That's one of my uh, segues, I guess, into... Bravo. Thank you, thank you. Into the fact that you got uh, Iowa Green Brewery certification for sustainability. Congrats. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, um, I know when, uh, when I joined the brewery, um, uh, Kelly and team had already gone through this process previously, and it's really um, it's, it's awfully progressive of, of the Iowa um, community and of breweries to, to really have this out there. Um, and it takes a look at everything from your production operations to your tap room service, making sure that you're taking sustainability into account. One of the major things that I've always been impressed with in, um, uh, in the brewery production space is that we recycle our chilling water. Oh. Um, so we have a, a cold water tank in, in our walk-in, and um, obviously... The, the nexus of sustainability and efficiencies are um, the best way to do with that because if there's a profit motive to make sure that you're handling materials sustainably, um, I think that's, that's the win-win that we're all hoping for. You know, it's, it's best for the business and it's best for the environment. And because we're right on the Mississippi River, we're well aware of the impacts of, uh, of of all of us living in this landscape and want yeah. to do our best to keep it, keep it what it is and why we appreciate it. We were, we were talking a little bit and I'd like to touch on it because I think it's important of your 15 employees. Not many of them are, are female. All, yep. Almost all almost of them, all but them? two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, okay. Yeah. We're unique in that. Yeah. We're a heavily female operated brewery. Females in a, in a brewing perspective are under underserved or under. Yeah. Appreciated yeah, for sure. I think you hear craft beer and you hear a brewer, you picture 
a big guy with a beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is yeah. what everybody. None thinks of us of. have beards. None yeah. of us have beards. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah. So just being in the industry for so long and being in so many breweries and seeing it, yeah, um, having that many female and everything is very unique for us, and we're very proud of that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, in in part, I think it strengthens um, our our connection to our customers too because. Um, it is un- unusual in in the brewery world to see that both on the the front end on the on the tap room as well as in production and and packaging and so I think it helps us maybe you know uh, Kelly's husband and I the Knicks um, when we're back here making sure that we're understanding the perspective of the half of the customer base that we have here yeah and what they're looking for it just broadens our eyes um, on the product we're delivering sure you're referring to the grandmas correct yes, yes. yes. yeah yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah uh-huh <laughs> finally everyone's expecting it it would be weird if i didn't talk about grandmas <laughs> So let's go ahead and pull my leg and we'll talk about grandmas. You know, it's funny. I usually do extensive research, but I'm very embarrassed to say that I could not find many random facts about grandmas that I thought would be worth sharing with everyone. I'll instead recommend a book that kind of correlates uh, called If I Live to Be 100, Lessons from the Centenarians by Nina Ellis. Essentially, Nina goes around and interviews people who live to be 100. They talk about habits, connections, and lessons they've learned throughout life. Not that every grandma is 100, of course. They actually, very often, and I'm sure this is the case with the River Ridge regulars, are extremely young. Let's finish up our conversation with Kelly and Nick. I think it's important to reflect on the journey that you've made sitting in a brewery that you helped create. I want you to kind of look back and reflect on the the journey a little bit towards where you are now. Yeah, I can say uh, for me, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. We opened up the small location and had no intentions really of growing and making it into what it has become. So for that, I look back, I have a ton of gratitude because it's because of this community and the people who have supported us and who have helped us through COVID and all those hard times that have allowed us to push and become what we are. Um, So I look back with just tons of gratitude for everybody who's ever helped us to get to where we are. Um, But it's been quite a long, long, crazy, lots of hours uh, path for all of us, but, but definitely well worth it. And, um, very proud if I look at what we've created and what this has become. Yeah, as well you should be. Yeah, um, you know, as as one of the the owners who came in after it had started, um, I think I saw the other side of that. So I saw what they created, and not only wanted to be around it and uh, get to enjoy it, but um, when the opportunity came to be a part of it. And then moving from from that old Main Street location um, into what we've created here, because so much about this space and what makes River Ridge Brewing special, I think, is the experience when you come here. You know, that connection with our customers is is real. Um, we wouldn't devote as much time and, and effort into um, delivering what we think is a good experience if we didn't really care about the people on the other side of the bar, but also making sure that it was something everyone could enjoy coming down to what we we love about this space on the water 
um, being able to take advantage of the, the sights of the barge operators as they drive by, um, making sure that it was open and welcoming to families, to travelers, to locals. Um, I'm just proud of, you know, when we open those doors, anyone can walk in and feel at home here. I certainly do. Well, get it. It's a fantastic. Uh, pour yourself a beer, guys. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. And congrats on all of your hard work. Hey, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Well, you're in Bellevue. Check out the Plumery Tales Malamute Ranch. Essentially, it's a pack of 15 giant Alaskan Malamute dogs. Their main mission is to educate and consult people on the Alaskan Malamute, prevent animal cruelty, and aid in the placement of Malamutes in need of a forever home. Not too rough, if you ask me. Additionally, you can check out the Bookworm Bookstore across the street from River Ridge Brewing. It's a great way to obviously find books, but also to support the local community. Thank you again for listening to the Beer Nomad podcast. Follow along visually on my Instagram at the Beer Nomad Van and my website at thebeernomadvan.com. As always, drink good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. Cheers.